Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Well, I don't think even the most diehard Breakers fans would have imagined a year ago that their team would be competing for a championship in Game 5 of the NBL Finals against the reigning champs. Alas, that's what's unfolded. I'm absolutely fizzed to watch the boys in pink go out there tonight and beat the Kings on their own court. How good would that be? And to help us preview what has the potential to be one of the great nights in New Zealand sport is ESPN's Aussie correspondent and SEN track host Cam Luke. Morena Cam, thanks a lot for joining me this morning. Me and Izzy um, on the show, mate. How have you been and what are you, what are you looking forward to in this game tonight? The Breakers, can they get the job done? Well, they most certainly can. Good morning to you and good morning to the listeners. Yeah, look, it's been outstanding. You half alluded to it there. The the, the last two years, and not just the, the Breakers, but a couple of those other New Zealand teams as well, that had to do it the hard way, not being able to see family, not being able to sleep in their own bed, not being able to play in front of their adoring fans. And the very fact is they put together with their new coach, Modi Moore, an outstanding crew. And it was pretty obvious in the first couple of weeks of the season that were going to be a very good team. And right now they're on the verge of being champions. They're outstanding on Sunday. That fourth quarter when the pressure was on them, Will McDowell-White, who was the driver of this particular team, was huge. Barry Brown Jr., who is, uh, had an outstanding year, sixth man of the year. You don't very often see these American imports come over to the NBL or anywhere in the world, to be fair, and accept the role like he has and still be as dominant as he has. And uh, We've got an uh, incredible Game 5, which is the best thing you can possibly get in any basketball league around the world. One game, 40 minutes in this case for all the chocolates, and I'm assuming going to be very close to a record crowd again as it was last Friday night in Sydney. A New Zealand record on Sunday, which is outstanding. Yeah, um, Luke Longley talked about that. He talked about that, Luke Longley, about the crowd being probably one of the best that he's ever witnessed over here. Victor, let's hope that Sydney can really put that together over there. Is it the the fact that the Breakers have come out of COVID for three years being in Australia to make this um, series the bigger talking point, do you think? I think we spoke a fair bit about it earlier in the year when 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 they were good. But it was obvious they were good. Obviously, it's always in the back of the mind when it comes to talking about um, what a remarkable 12 months it will be if they're able to hoist the trophy. But I think the fact we spoke about it a lot, I actually, in hindsight, um, this would have been a bad call, but I actually lobbied last year on the show NBL Overtime to give New Zealand every single game play at home um, due to the mm. fact that the two years that they had had... Now, in hindsight, considering how damn good they are, that might have been incredibly, incredibly lopsided. I didn't exactly see them making the leap they have this year. But um, look, it's a great, it's an amazing story. And the very fact is that it's probably now been overshadowed by the fact they are just a really good basketball team. 
They yeah. are a really good team. There was a lot of emotion in fairy tale around it. And they made the playoffs and got the second and the double chance. And, and also, got to keep in mind as well, while there wasn't a major speed bump in the end, they had that little hiccup around the Christmas New Year period where COVID reared its head again. And they had to sort of postpone some games. They had about two weeks off. And they had to jam sort of games in towards the end of January in a pretty quick sort of, uh, in a short amount of time. So um, COVID, ironically, has sort of bobbed up at a, at a crucial time for New Zealand in the middle of this season as well. But this is all about them being a great basketball team and, and now being able to, regardless of what's happened the last couple of years, going to Sydney and trying to get it done. What do you make of the the comments made by Matt Walsh in, in his tweet saying that the referees aren't giving the breakers a fair go and, of course, the Sydney Kings coach walking out of that press conference? Do you think it was just a smart move by the breakers to get that fourth game done or do you think that the Sydney um, Kings have missed, missed the punch there? Incredibly smart move. One by Matt Walsh and then again by Chase Griffin on the back of of the game four. Now, there's, there's a couple of ways to look at this. Um, New Zealand spent a lot of time at the three-point line on Friday night. They were nowhere near as aggressive as they had been earlier in the series. And whenever that happens, whenever you sort of live by the three-point line, and it's, it's basic basketball IQ, the very fact is if you're not being aggressive and getting into the paint, the odds are that you're not going to get to the foul line as much. That's kind of how New Zealand's been playing their basketball. And the fact is that when Matt Walsh sort of made those comments, he wasn't wrong with his quoting numbers and quoting all the things that had happened. But the fact is that they were able to put it on the, on the, on the heat on the rim just a little bit and get inside the paint. Derek Pardon probably had his best game of the series. To be fair, Brantley definitely did. The fact is that you're going to be fouled a little more often. Now, on the back of that, Chase Buford knowing it's one game, he'd done this already. Against Cairns in the semi-final series, he felt they were a little unfairly treated by the referees in Cairns. They went back to Sydney for that deciding semi-final game, and uh, lo and behold, got a couple of early whistles. So um, I think Matt Walsh put a video up on social media as well after Game 4. This is just gamesmanship. This is mm. what happens. You try and get every single, every single advantage you possibly can. It will be interesting to see how the game is refereed. And by that, I don't mean... It widely changes, but just a couple of little calls here and there. They're going to let them play early, and the referee's going to try and gain um, a great deal of control of the game early, making sure it doesn't even come into a physical slog fest. So um, I think the, the, the way that both of those organisations in different ways have come with it and have mentioned and made comment of in the last sort of couple, three or four days is 100% the smart thing to do. The administrators be happy, Luke, that they got a game five out of this series and it hasn't finished early. Obviously, um, what is it? Is it a, is this game about stopping Jarrell Brantley and Barry Brown Jr. in the breakers, or the Sydney Kings and their home crowd got other plans? Uh, look, firstly, I think Larry Kesselman, who's the owner of the league, was uh, the happiest person leaving Spark Arena on Sunday. Uh, there was delirious New Zealand breakers fans, but I, I think. From all reports, the smile on Larry Kesselman's face outweighed them all. Uh, a game five, Wednesday night, no NRL or AFL to go up against. It's going to be like not just physically um, bums in seats in Sydney, but also eyeballs to the TV around the nation. When it comes to what New Zealand needs to do, they need to be able to have Will McDowell White just control it. So he, when he's in control of these games, uh, the whole of game one, 
the game where they actually beat them late in the regular season in Sydney, and again, the fourth quarter on Sunday when Sydney made their run. Will Miguel White's in total control. When he's in total control of the game, that is when Brantley can do his thing, and he did it really well on Sunday. We know how good he is. Him beat Crooks has been so fun to watch. Uh, it allows Barry Brown Jr. just to be able to take over late without getting worn down. So it's on Will McDowell White to absolutely just control the game. And, and 18,000 Sydney Kings fans will be trying to uh, take him out of it. With Sydney, ironically, and uh, I'm a small guy and occasionally played point guard growing up, so I'm biased towards the point guards. This is on <laughs> Derek Walton Jr. and Xavier Cooks. Derek Walton Jr., who, of course, got hurt with that well, cramp in game one, that horrible cramp. Couldn't go much in game two, but it's been great game three and four. Great in game three, really good in game four. It's on him. It's also a little bit on Xavier Cooks, and that's where the Cooks v. Brantley situation gets going again because Cooks is injured. There, there's no doubt. There's no, you can cut it up as much as you want, and it sucks. He's about to go to the NBA. We're going to not probably see him for a number of years. He's getting that opportunity he so richly deserves, but he is injured. He's got to be able to somehow fight through the pain and be more effective. He's the MVP. He's been the best player in the league. He's got to find a way on Wednesday night to out duel Brantley. And if he does, Sydney should win it because I think Walton will be in control of the game. But if it goes the other way, um, Will McDowell wide in total control makes it tough. It is, like anything in this type of situation, it is a 50-50. You know, you've got the two best teams in the league. You're coin tossing and then you're trying to work out who wins. Yeah, and that was my next question on the injury front, the updates. Obviously, is there anyone else that uh, we need to be uh, concerned about that probably can't make the game? How the Kings pull up? No, I think they'll. they'll I think the Kings are all as, as as good as they possibly can be. Uh, Cooks is obviously the main concern when you when your MVP has been hampered at different times during the series. Uh, it makes it a little bit tough. And keeping him on, it's a, it's a, it's the end of a season. That can be grueling. If you look at Barry Brown Jr., he's got that broken hand. If you have a look at players around the league, you have those little those little niggles, and they've got to, you know. And the travel doesn't help. Wednesday night or a Sunday, you got to get on a plane from Sydney, get to New Zealand. Now you get an extra extra day here coming back on a Wednesday night. But uh, I'm I'm pretty certain with uh, the way that both of these teams are looked after medically and the great support crew they have. So, and you run through the tunnel of eighteen thousand people there and you see a championship trophy sort of sitting there, it sort of changes how you feel a little bit. I'm sure the, the adrenaline kicks in, and then you're like, well, here we go. So so let's. Uh, you're not sitting on the fence. You're obviously picking the, the, the Kings in a close one. I'm going for the breakers. <laughs> are we expecting a physical match then if we've got a couple of blokes that are carrying injuries? I, I think there's no doubt New Zealand are going to try and be physical. They're both physical teams. I think it's something that gets lost a little bit. These are both physical teams. As, like they're both physical teams. Like Walton Jr. is a very strong point guard. New Zealand, you know, uh, Chase Buford compared them to the All Blacks earlier in the year when they played. But uh, like, as soon as a comment gets made like that, automatically people just assume that New Zealand are physical and Sydney just roll around on the court without touching anyone else. Uh, they're both physical teams. And I think we... This is the interesting thing with the refereeing. Will they allow them to be physical in a game five? I would like to see them just duke it out. I'd like to see the referees put the whistle away to an extent, in particular early, and allow the big boys just to roll up. This is what's meant to be. Game five, all or nothing. Let them play. Now, if it happens that way, it probably does suit the breakers a little bit. Not not a major advantage, 
But it allows Derek Pardon to play a little more of how he's been successful this year. Brantley's a big, strong boy. And then McDowell White, and then, of course, um, Barry Brown Jr., Liafa. These guys can take a little bit of that pressure uh, on their bodies and the way they dribble the ball. So if it goes that way, I think it works for New Zealand. If they start quick whistling, uh, which they might based on the comments and, you know, what's in the media and everything <laughs> that's been happening, then all of a sudden we, we might see a, a couple of quick fouls early on someone and away it changes the complexity of the game. But um, I'm only picking Sydney only, and it's absolutely 51 to 49 here when it comes to uh, trying to work it out. I'm only picking Sydney because they do have the best player on the court in Xavier Cooks. I mean, just, he's the best player, and I, and I trust him to stand up in game five. But if, if, he, if he does struggle, like he has a little bit in this series, anything could happen. Nothing would stun me, and the New Zealand Breakers winning a championship would be an, amazing, an incredible story. It would be an absolute incredible story. I'm absolutely fizzed to watch this one tonight. And, uh, yep, let's hope... Uh, it is physical, and the best team does get out there and win. And, and of course, the best team, uh, Luke, is the Breakers. So I uh, just wanted to throw that one in. But hey, look, <laughs> yeah, beautifully done. Your other, your other role as the Aussie correspondent um, is also the SEN track host. And uh, how good are the Kiwis going at the moment? We've got James McDonald booked to ride prowess in the Vinery Stud Stakes on March the 21st after his suspension. Got Aegon, who will line up in the All-Star Mile at the Valley on Saturday for Andrew mm-hmm. Forsman. And, of course, Levante is ready to take on Animo in the George Ryder Stakes. Our good uh, our good horse over here, oh, mate, Animo is an absolute freak. What's your take on the New Zealand horses at the moment that are coming over? Uh, really good, really good. So uh, let's start with uh, Legato, who was able to win the Australian Guineas, you know, just over a week and a half ago. She was brilliant and... My belief is that Animo will go to Royal Ascot and then we won't see him again, unfortunately, here in Australia. So uh, I wrote about this last week. I spoke about it on a radio show on Friday. We're going to look at a very even crop of wait-for-age stars into the spring. And she fits within it. She has to go to a level two, of course, against the older horses. But the Cox Plate is well and truly within the realms of where Legato, I think, is going to fit in that conversation. Animo's by far the, the best horse in the country but I don't think he'll still be around come spring in the Australian races. Sharp and smart. I think he's got a mortgage on the AJC Derby, and I think he'll be a great Caulfield Cup horse come the autumn as, as come the spring as well. So we've already seen two horses that have won Group 1s in Australia in the last six months be able to go, I think, to that next level and be a huge player in major races in the spring for Legato and Sharp and Smart for the AJC Derby in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Levente, I like her. I don't think she's at the Animo level. I, I don't think. But in saying that, she gets an opportunity to come on over here and, and be able to prove it. And the fact is that when she they get opportunities, that's when they go to that level and, and, and slap people like me in the face. Uh, I think it's the perfect way for her to have an opportunity. I do think she's a level below Animo. But, hey, let's see what happens on race day. Uh, James McDonald, um, it's funny how sport works. When you have a superstar of the sport get rubbed out for a huge day and there's an appeal, just happens to get tweaked a little bit <laughs> and he's now okay to ride on the Golden Slipper Day. He is. There's an argument that he's the best jockey in the world and there is no argument. He's like country country So, uh, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really golden time for New Zealand racing. Awesome. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Luke. Um, Izzy and Kimby for breakfast. Go well, uh, Luke, and enjoy the final. Hopefully we can share a beer after it. Absolutely we can. And hopefully if you break his fans, you're hoisting your trophy come Wednesday night, mate. Always love chatting. We'll talk soon. Cheers, Luke.